0: Welcome to Inside Economics. I'm Mark Sandy, the chief economist of Moody's Analytics. It's Jobs Friday, a uh, big day for us here at Moody's. Uh, and I've got uh, my two colleagues, trusted colleagues, uh, joining me today. Ryan Sweet, Ryan's the director of real time economics. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Mark, how are you? We're counting on you, Ryan, because uh, you, you uh, have hope, uh, hopefully, you've had enough time to dig down into the bowels of this report. And you're going to give us a lot of insight here. Uh, I, I haven't, I've been kind of scrambling a little bit. I haven't had a chance to really dig mm. deep, but. Uh, oh, you're in trouble
1: then. Oh, the no. no.
0: I know, <laughs> in I know. trouble. Well, th- you know, the thing about the jobs number is, a report is that there's so many numbers, right? Oh, yes. It's, yeah, it's
1: unbelievable. I can't keep them
0: all straight. There's
1: so I'll give there. you the biggest number of the week, seven.
0: Should I, Are we going to come back to that, or should no, I? I just,
1: my uh, that, oldest maybe, son turned seven this week.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> so that was the Already. most important number for me. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, well, that is
1: important. That is really
0: important. Really, it's a milestone. I have a, a son that's seven years old. Wow, seven! Time flies. Yeah, uh, is he going to be a Boston Red Sox player at some point? Or
1: he's he's really into baseball and yeah, he wears his imagine. Red Sox hat proudly. Just like so. his dad. Yeah, yep.
0: very good. Well, congratulations on
1: that. Right. Uh,
0: and also, Chris Dorides. Chris, Chris is the deputy hey. chief economist. Hi, Chris. Hey, Mark. How are you? <laughs> And you're wearing red today, red, uh, just uh, to just to get on your nerves.
2: Holes. I know it. I know it annoys you. So, uh, <laughs> you, <know. laughs> I know
0: you, are. you are in my mind, my friend. Yeah. Every every podcast, Brian. Have you noticed this? Every podcast, mm-hmm. he's got a different look. I'm I like I never change. I either have a sweatshirt on or a white, you know, collared shirt. That's it. Those are those are my two choices. Mm-hmm. Today is my white collar. Yeah, he just but, likes to throw his yeah. curveballs. I know. Look at that. Well, you
2: mentioned it, it so like often it, that you know, do. and now it's in my head. I gotta, be... I gotta think about it. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. You know, you should be. You know what? You look like you should be Formula One driver today. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Doesn't he? Like yeah, there's he a does, Ferrari, but... you know, out, outside his door there.
1: The funny thing is he doesn't dress differently outside of, I ran into Chris at the Y because our kids had swim lessons and uh, (laughs) I was like, it looked like he was going to be on the podcast any minute.
0: You know,
2: I'm consistent.
0: (laughs) Is that right? you look that good? (laughs) Uh,
2: I'll take the Formula One as a compliment. I I, I
0: wish I could do that. Uh, Oh, definitely a compliment. That's like a big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You definitely could be a Ferrari driver, right, Ryan? Definitely, I mean, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well,
2: they're not doing so good this year, yeah. so.
0: Are you drinking your uh, bar- Barista t- uh, coffee there? You got your little, <laughs> no, I don't see the coffee.
2: No, there. I already Come did. I uh, already.
0: Well, Ryan, I do see the Cowbells. <laughs> All right, the Cowbells oh, yeah, are good. Yeah, yeah, they're there. All right, well, uh, this is Jobs Friday. This is like a, my actually my, one of my favorite days, uh, well, uh, of the month. Uh, not, I was going to say of the year, but that would be. Really stretching it, but same same month, (laughs) our favorite day of the month. Uh, And today, I this was a great jobs number, wasn't it? A really good jobs number. So maybe maybe we should start, uh, Ryan, with you just giving us the basic rundown, and then we'll go into a bit of our statistics game, which I'm sure is going to be centered around the jobs numbers. And you're going to give us some number deep into the bowels that we're never going to. Not that deep. Not that deep. Not that
1: deep. Okay. It did stand out to me though.
0: Oh, it did. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so uh, give, us the, uh, give us the rundown here uh, on the numbers.
1: Right. Well, first, you know, everyone was concerned that we got this sharp deceleration in job growth. And if you look, if you look at the revisions for the last two months, uh, they were up revised higher by a net 200,000. So this yep. deceleration it still occurred, but it was less significant than what was previously thought. So all that concern about, you know, we're descending into a recession. We can kind of table that talk for now. Uh, so we created a uh, more five,
0: I, mean, well, like, I mean, put a stake in the heart of that uh,
1: idea. What, for at recession? least the next couple years, For the next couple of years. Okay.
0: But, you know, this talk that we were hearing from the corners of I don't know where, that we were in a recession. I mean, come on. Right. Yeah, but that, that was nonsense.
1: I was being yeah. polite. Okay, very good. All right, you can put the stake in the move
0: forward, move forward. All right,
1: so we created more than 500,000 jobs. Uh, Private, if you strip out government, we created a little bit more than 600,000 jobs on net. Unemployment rate came down. Uh, More people came into the labor force. Uh, uh, The number of people that were out of the labor force for own illness, that's all COVID related, uh, declined. So the Delta variance imprint uh, or grip on the labor market loosened in October. And so far, if you look at jobless claims, if you look at uh, you know, other high-frequency measures, the home-based data, November should just be as good as uh, October uh, from an employment perspective. So we're back off and running when it comes to the labor market.
0: Okay, a lot to unpack there. But before we do, Chris, any other color you want to add in terms of the report, the job numbers, anything you would, you would say? Yeah, it was... Uh... Just
2: it was solid, solid, all around, and the the revisions caught my eye as well. So that was that was my backup uh, number, but that was uh, <laughs> that was really impressive. That uh, you know, hundred and seventeen, hundred eighteen thousand more jobs in August and September than originally thought. So just go to show you can't just uh, rely on that first print. And exactly.
0: Color today, all right. Yeah. Let's talk about those revisions first, uh, and and just so just to level set here. Bottom line, this was a Really good report, right? Absolutely, I mean, absolutely, very yeah. good. I mean, and it suggests, like we've been saying on uh, these podcasts now for several weeks, or maybe you could last several months, that uh, the economy's performance is tethered to the pandemic. Delta mm-hmm. came in July, August, September, really nailed the economy. Uh, September, you know, was a pretty tough month for jobs. August, I think August was in our monthly. GDP number was actually negative, you know, for August GDP. Mm-hmm. But Correct. now that the pandemic, now that the Delta wave is winding down, and it definitively is winding down, if you look at infections, the economy is revving right back up. And that's the overarching kind of message here in this jobs number. Everyone agree with that? Yes. Yeah, okay. All
1: right, fine. And so it's not go, just the employment well, let's, data. Let's, let's it hope it's winding down. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Good, good oh, point. okay. We can come back to that. Yeah, but that's a good point. I mean, so I mean, I guess you're right. Infections seem to be leveling off at a high level here, 70, right. 75K per day. So we got to watch yeah. that. And, the re- and in Europe, they're going back up again, so we need to watch that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Germany Germany okay. just said another record high. So the winter is okay. going to be something uh, to watch out for. Uh, yeah, okay.
0: All right, on the revisions, mm. um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've noticed that there's been consistent upward revisions for a while now, at least for... Four, five, six months, maybe even longer. Do I have that right,
1: Ryan? No, that's that right? correct. And there, yeah. there is a bias in the revisions when you're coming out of a recession. So early on in a recovery, revisions typically are biased higher and positive. Well, uh, bias?
0: I don't think that's the right word. Is that right? Bias? It, all
1: right. No, you're right. That that's not the correct word. They have a tendency to be revised yeah. higher. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the, typically, the first print underestimates the amount of job growth that occurred early in a recovery, and now with the pandemic. With so many people changing jobs, you know, that revision is just now on steroids. Right. And, and the seasonals are worse this time around, right?
2: I, that's my impression okay. at
0: least, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so what does that mean? The seasonals are worse?
2: The seasonal adjustments are all over the map because of the pandemic. The pandemic had such a different uh, trajectory in terms of the, uh, the recession and recovery period that it's not clear what the seasonal adjustment should be at the moment. At least that's my interpretation. There's a lot of noise in the seasonals, right? Cause you had all sorts of things going on yet. Even, right. um, you know, tax returns being delayed, you had all sorts of things that could throw off seasonal adjustments. Yeah, Wait right till well. November
1: right. with the early yeah. holiday shopping <clears throat> retailers yeah. are already revving up, you know, FedEx, UPS, they're hiring Amazon well ahead of time, like ahead of normal. So you're going to get a big boost to employment in November.
0: Well, let's come back to that, just go back to the revisions for a second, and then we'll come back to the season. There's so many different ways we can go here. This <laughs> yeah. is why this is, this is going to be a t- particularly tough podcast. But the uh, uh, back to the revisions, to kind of finish off that conversation. Mm-hmm. One uh, reason why, as you say, Ryan, coming out of recessions into recoveries, the Bureau of Labor Statistics tends to underestimate job creation, at least initially in its first uh, survey uh, first print so called first print is that it doesn't pick up uh job creation that might be occurring at smaller companies businesses maybe even new companies that are forming mm-hmm. and we know that business formation so far this year in 2021 has been extraordinary right i mean if you look at the tax identif- the applications uh, for tax identification numbers by businesses so if you, i if i if i go start a new company and I got to pay taxes. I got to get a so-called EIN, uh, which is an acronym for a tax identification number. And those have just gone skyward, uh, you know, since the beginning of the year. Am I right about that? I think I am, yeah, you're, right? You're spot on. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so that would be consistent with these upward revisions. We're getting all this business formation, a lot of activity, you know, ongoing at smaller businesses. And, um, you know, the BLS just catches up. The survey Kind of catches up as more people, as more businesses Mm -hmm. report in. Is that the idea on the revisions?
1: Yeah, correct. And that's, I mean, that's uh, after you know recession year, like that's normal. At this time, it's different, a little bit different. We have that issue as well. But on top of it, if you look at the number of people that are quitting their jobs, it's you know astronomical. So Mm. when people are quitting their jobs, the BLS has a hard time catching all this labor market churn. So Mm. I think that's another reason why we're seeing such large upper revisions.
0: Also, we get this so-called benchmark revision once a year when the Bureau of Labor Statistics goes back and takes the data based on the survey, this monthly survey, which is a, is a, it's an incomplete survey, right? There, there, I think there, the survey captures, what, uh, 30 million businesses in about, that employ about 30 million people? Do I have that roughly? Mm-hmm. right? Something like that. And then they come back once a year and they benchmark their estimates based on that survey to... Uh, actual employment counts based on unemployment insurance records, which is a complete kind of census of all the jobs out there. Correct. And they do that in uh, with the January report that's released in early February. I, I got, I've got that right, right? I mean, correct for yep. the nation, the annual benchmark revision. Correct. And they tend to, they, they, historically have come out in the fall and said, "This is what the revisions. We think the revisions going to be for that benchmark revision." August. They come out in August. Did we see that this year? I missed it somehow, or forgot about it. I don't know. Do we see it? About it? We got to go back and take a look. I, yeah, I wonder right. what those revisions were going well, to be, because I expect them to be That's for up last too. year, so yeah. But I would, uh, yeah, true. That would be March yeah. of twenty twenty-one. Yeah,
1: right? Small. Yeah, I don't think they were enormous.
0: Okay, because the economy really hadn't gotten going. That was March of twenty. The benchmark was March of twenty twenty-one. This
1: August, the the benchmark will be interesting. I mean, if I had a guess- Wait, to wait, wait, wait. No,
0: they, they, the benchmark is as of March of 2021. <laughs> they released it, I'm sorry. They released And they released their estimate of what in, March 2021 yes. in August. Correct. So, and you're saying it was pretty small. And that probably because- yep. Okay, got it. Boy, uh, a lot of, of nitty
1: gritty there. Uh, yeah, we went down a rabbit hole real fast. Well, that's okay. Yeah. The
0: bottom line is- it, 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 we're, the numbers are good and they're actually probably mm-hmm. even better than the, they, they are right. saying because right. we're in this period when we get these big upper revisions in the data which is all you know very encouraging so that's very good let's go back to the seasonal adjustment and the point you're making there it, it, and I think you did an admirable job is that the pandemic you know uh, really messed up the data and historical data because you get this massive blow to the economy back march april may of of last of, of 2020 things come roaring back temporarily then they settle back in and then the delta wave and so all these uh, all the normal seasonal uh, patterns in the labor market just got completely scrambled so when the Bureau of Labor Statistics goes back and tries to tease out what those seasonal patterns are they really it's difficult to do and one complication that may be affecting the data now is that uh the uh, retailers and and uh, uh, transportation companies, the FedExes of the world, the UPSs of the world, have been hiring, maybe hiring sooner than normal for the holiday season because they're fearful they're not going to get the people they need. Is that the point you're Correct. making?
1: So yep. did and we I, see I, I, a big?
0: The, I didn't notice. Did we see a big jump in jobs and tra- transportation? Up. It's coming. Retail's
1: the up. the okay. big boost is going to come in November. Okay. Oh. What, oh.
0: And, so with. This month, we're going to get a much bigger number, you're saying, than Correct. typical, mm-hmm. because of the seasonals. And then, I guess, December is going to be the flip of that, right? It's, yeah, it's going to be awful. And January of next year, when we're just going to see a lot more, well, it I guess it's normal.
1: You get the normal layoffs that occur January, February.
0: All right. Okay, we're getting really deep into the monthly data, vagaries of the data. But the point is that this number today might have been a little juiced by favorable
1: seasonals, is what you're saying.
0: At least when it comes to retail. So, Chris and I have been going back and forth
1: and stressing the importance (laughs) of looking at the non seasonally adjusted data so that you take out these like quirks, you know, these, what we're talking about. I just checked non seasonally adjusted private employment in October was up 1.9 million. (gasps) Really? Wow. That is more than, what is that? More than double what's, you know, your typical Typical. October. So, you can take all these little nuances that we're talking about out and it's still a blowout number. It's still really, really good. Okay. Okay. Very good. Excellent.
0: Um, okay. Any uh, any other things that we want to alert the listener to in the report uh, just to give them a sense of the numbers? I mean, I guess we'll come back. We should come back to this when we get deeper into the kind of what's going on in the labor market, because that's the big topic of the day. Obviously, the jobs number is the statistic we're going to focus on, although there were other statistics that came out yeah. uh, this week that we could talk about, but uh, that seems to be dominating the conversation. And then we're going to go into the big topic into you know deeper labor market issues. The one statistic that I found a bit disappointing was labor force participation, which held steady mm-hmm. unemployment decline from four, eight to four, six, all good. Uh, but the labor force participation rate held steady at 61.6. So, that's a little, and that's where it's been labor force participation really hasn't moved for over a year now, really, you know, someone's right. up a little bit, someone's down, but not really. Um, I found that a little disappointing. Agreed. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Yeah, certainly. Great. So we got to come back and unpack that one too, and think about, you know, what's driving that and whether, I guess the, the, the question that's starting to open up here is, you know, are we going, are, are we going to see it rise? Is there something more fundamental going on? that's keeping participation down. Uh, I've got a view on that. I'm sure you do, but we'll come back to that. Okay. Um, and of course, the average hourly earnings—they were strong uh, again. So year yep. over year, average hourly earnings—the measure of wage growth in the this report, the Bureau of Labor Statistics report was uh, four nine. I think right. Yep. Uh, year that's over right. year. Yeah. That's that's very strong. That's very strong. And of course, that's it's affected by the mix of jobs and occupations, but in this case. Even the ECI, were,
1: the other indicators are all
0: board, right? So I don't know.
1: And there was another number came out this the week, the employment day.
0: cost index, which is a better measure, right? That was mm-hmm. strong too. I guess that's the other point to make about the the number today is the job gains were broad based across all private sector industries: construction, manufacturing, mining, transportation, retail. leisure hospitality, healthcare. I, I didn't know. I didn't notice any week. What about motor vehicles? Was that down or up? Did Did you notice? Well,
1: is, are we going to play the game?
0: Oh, okay. We're going to play gonna, the game. Yeah. Okay. We're so, get, here's the go one thing. The you, I think. I think the one thing you should explain to the listener, though, is we did see a decline in government jobs yeah. and all in education. So, what's going on there? Why did we see that decline? It was It was sizable. It was like down 75 k in
1: the month. Right. It was down.
0: Do you know? Yeah, I thought right. it was going
1: to be down less than that, but. Uh, Again, Is that I mean, seasonals
0: too. Yeah. Seasonals. They,
1: yeah. We pulled hiring. Like, so, you know, we we're ramping up for the new school year. You know, we had last year basically, you know, the teachers, uh, faculty were off last year, bus drivers. They got, you know, they ramped up hiring earlier than the normal to get ready for the new school year that typically starts in late August, September. And over the last couple of months, we've seen, you know, declines in employment just because of mostly because of seasonal adjustment.
0: Yeah. Okay. So right,
2: the see. cumulus are do still down, though, right? Cumulative change from February, yes. 2020. Yeah, that's a good okay. point. So, so still, there's still there is some weakness there. So
0: there's some room there. Yeah. Well, how do you interpret that? That we should get. Some, oh, there's still get schools that closed
1: right. because of, yeah. of COVID. So in I believe in September we had two thousand schools nationally that were closed or went on to vir- uh, to be virtual because of COVID. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, okay. Great. Let's. Uh, I guess let's play the game. Huh? Yeah. All right. I don't feel good about this at all. To tell you, you the truth, I should. I shouldn't feel good. No, because I
1: mean, you, you you're tied up with presentations. The you way you're dressed, like you just didn't have. That's the time my point.
0: I didn't have time to really. and I know you're going to kill me on this, Chris. Are, did you prepare?
2: I've got one. Did you? It is non-BLS. This? It is okay. non-employment related. I, you know, <gasps> just to mix it up. Okay. So you All might right. stand a chance with that if one.
0: If it's housing, I'm going to throw you out.
2: No, no, it's I'm not gonna, housing. I'm gonna,
0: I, yeah, yeah. There's it. no
2: housing data that came out this week. Uh,
0: oh, really? You last week. Just check, check what, what oh, Bitcoin prices did. Bitcoin prices. Oh, by the way, I want to come back to the ten-year treasury yield, Ryan. That's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the market reaction to today's numbers was well, stock market was up. Okay, they liked it. Bond yields were long-term bond yields were down.
1: Yeah. right? So I don't know. We'll come back to that.
0: All right. Okay. Uh, uh, let's go, uh, Ryan. We'll go with you first. Uh, so far right. away.
1: So I got two numbers for you. But are they related? related? They're related. <laughs> okay. All right. So the first is seventy-five point six, and that's a diffusion index, and then sixty thousand, which is a net change.
0: Are these? I mean, are these like two different statistics or the related statistics?
1: Different reports, but they're related to, They're tied together.
0: Okay, so 75.6% diffusion index, mm-hmm. and you said 60K? 60K. <sighs> so, well, 70, diff, diffusion index, the only diffusion index I'm
1: familiar with in the BLS. I, I no, don't, don't, that one's not BLS. I think earlier in the week. Oh, we're not talking about the employment oh. report. It could be, no, well, one number could be an employment number.
0: Oh, the 60K the, is yeah. in the employment report. Okay. Correct.
1: Yeah, you'll get that All one. Right.
0: Oh, okay. The seventy-five point six is not in the employment report, correct? But it is a diffusion index,
1: correct? Mm.
0: Oh man, uh, I don't so know. hard for me to remember back earlier in the week, right? You, you uh, Chris, can't remember you, Monday, yeah? I, was the what's that? number was Monday. on Monday? <clears throat> um, damn,
3: Come
2: on, Chris. Uh, we were huh? all focused on the election
1: on Monday, right? Can you give us another <laughs> hint? Um, it's no. tied with – it's a, a big top-of-mind issue to think of all the Supply questions. chain – oh, is it supply your supply
0: chains. chain index?
1: Your supply chain – No, it's not index. our index. Okay, you're close. I'll give <laughs> it to you. Oh, bizarre. I know what it
0: is. I know what it is. Don't tell me. Don't right. tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me.
1: All right.
0: ISM Manufacturing yes. Survey Supplier Delivery Index.
1: Very good, Mark. Get,
0: get the cowbell out, buddy. buddy. Hey, I'll
1: get the cowbell. You gotta oh, get the second but, one. Why, okay. you guys, you know, talk amongst yourselves. See uh, if you can get the second uh, okay. one.
0: Okay, all right, all right. I know, that that was a little painful to get out. So he's getting his cowbell. There yeah. you go. You any oh. kids home today? Or sleeping, or anything going on?
1: Oh, okay. He can't hear you. All right, so 60K,
0: 60K. All
1: right, so think about that. You're-, you're Transportation warehouse. You can't hear close. me. close, you're close. Employment now, employment. There. All right, so we have all signs point towards uh, supply chain issues.
0: Yes, exactly. But
1: this number, of employment, was surprisingly strong.
0: I think Chris said it, didn't he? It was. Oh, I couldn't a, hear
1: him. My oh, go ahead. Me. I said transportation, warehouse, yeah, but, okay. uh, employment, yeah, manufacturing. But not it. Manufacturing was up. Manufacturing.
0: Busy. Oh, yep. <clears throat> oh, that's not it.
1: It's not it. So okay. manufacturing was up sixty thousand, and within manufacturing, autos, which has been just crushed from the supply chain issues. Employment was up 27,000, which is Hmm. a good sign.
0: Interesting. I I, I find it a little confusing because I was just talking to Mike Brisson, who's our uh, auto guy, auto economist. He was saying that production is still down. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, okay. But this would suggest auto production
1: schedules point towards a a little bit of a pickup. Okay. Are they the rest of the year?
0: seasonal factors factors. i guess that's what's (laughs)
1: going on usually i'm the one that screams seasonal factors this is chris's go-to when you can't explain something yeah seasonal factors i was encouraged though i think it's yeah early indication that maybe you know they're gonna be a little less binding i think they're still gonna be problematic for the next year but hopefully they cut less into growth than what they've done most of this year
0: right so, so do you think we're kind of at the worst of the supply chain? It sounds like you think we're at the worst of the supply chain issues. I would yeah, say, I think. The, I guess it would yeah. make sense in the context of Delta winding down.
2: Correct. I think that's right. what the uh, Toyota CEO said earlier in the week that we are at the peak here, but things should get better
0: so, slowly. Right. Right. Yeah, the one indicator I, I would love to get my hands on, and I think we can, is the number of ships that are out in LA Long Beach Port, you know, that are just waiting to be unloaded, which, uh, have, you, have you had a chance to take a look at that at all, Ryan?
1: Yeah, they so down. they're coming down a little bit because of Biden's, yeah. uh, he, he. I don't know if it was an executive order, but the longshoremen have to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week to offload these, these container ships.
0: Yeah, I heard, and they're, they actually are working those 24, mm. seven hours, okay.
1: So so, one interesting thing to keep in mind for next June or July, the longshoreman contract in the West Coast uh, expires. So we could have a a port strike like we did back in 2015.
0: Mm, That would be be a problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Delta Wave is winding down here globally. Germany aside, and or Europe aside, I guess Europe's on a different kind of trajectory here, but. Certainly in Asia, it's been winding down. Mm-hmm. Uh, activities picking back up, factories reopening, ports reopening in China. Here in the US, we're responding by going 24 seven, at least partially going 24 seven, trying to make some efforts here. And it feels like that the uh, worst of the supply chain issues are are at hand or just behind us. And we're starting to see some improvement here. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, there was an indication of that in the jobs number with the increase in jobs at motor vehicles. And you don't yeah. think that's seasonal adjustment. You think that no. is something. I think that's legit.
1: Okay. It's a All small right. step, a small step in the right direction. Yeah. We right. still have a long way to ways to go.
0: Well, just to get people context around there, vehicle sales, which obviously have been depressed because there's no vehicles to sell. Here's the other, here's the other statistic Mike Brisson told me, uh, I found <laughs> uh, amazing. There's, about 75,000 vehicles on dealer lots uh, you know, as of last week. Typically, there's 500,000 on dealer lots. Mm-hmm. That gives you a sense. I mean, record low inventory. So we're not getting sales. Sales hit 12.2 million annualized in September. They're back up to 13 million in October. And you're saying, okay, that indicates maybe, perhaps indicates mm-hmm. that the supply chain issues are ironing up and the produ- uh, manufacturers, vehicle manufacturers are getting it together again. Yep, absolutely. And here's the other so here, point. Okay. Typically, typical sales are 17 million units per annum, right? So that would suggest mm-hmm. there's a lot of juice coming, right? As we go from 13 million to 17 and production picks up again as we get those chips, you know, admittedly that's going to take some time and overtime, but that's going to add to growth in a very significant way. Yeah.
3: Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Chris, so, I interrupted you. No, a uh,
2: question for you. Do you think this... Um, lean inventory, lean uh, inventories on dealer lots is going to be a new normal? Are automakers going to take this opportunity to, you know, they kind of like having uh, lean inventories allows them to control the prices a a bit more? Do they coordinate here and people are adapting to the online environment to order cars? Is this something that's going to be permanent or do you think next year we're going to be right back to, you know, Mm -hmm. 500k?
0: Well, I can't imagine they want 75K because they're losing sales. They can't sell them. Well, that might be,
2: yeah, maybe too low, but do they go all the way back to the inventory levels of the past?
0: Yeah, Uh, that's a good point. Uh, Or uh, the thought (laughs) is completely the opposite and is, oh, I got to have a cushion here if something goes wrong. (laughs) Because look, I lost a lot of sales because I had no inventory. I've been managing my inventories so leanly that you know if anything goes wrong in the world, then I got a huge problem. I'm losing I'm destroying sales you know, even at these higher prices. So I'm not sure how that cuts, to tell you the truth. Uh, hmm.
1: I, you know so that that feeds perfectly into uh, I had a client ask me what the catalyst for the next recession is gonna be. Uh-huh. What do you think?
0: The catalyst for the next recession? hmm Uh well. I think the biggest threat is kind of a classic business cycle, you know, mm, right. and over inventories. Yeah, too lean, yep. labor markets too tight, prices, you know, inflation remains too elevated. Fed has to respond more aggressively than anyone's anticipating at this point. Obviously, asset prices, stock values, housing prices, every crypto, everything yeah. becomes, you know, very mm-hmm. vulnerable in that kind of scenario. And that's, that's, that's kind of a classic business cycle. Is it, that's how I, I yep. would have responded to that. Is that what yeah, you would I,
1: say? I pinpoint inventories. I think businesses are double ordering, triple ordering now because we have all these supply issues. They're going to get caught maybe with too much inventory in a couple of years. And then, you know, traditionally inventories have caused recessions in the US and they're going to have to, you know, uh, be caught with too much. To get that inventory correction, you know, short recession, boom-bust type cycle in the U.S.
0: So, uh, so what you're saying is that inventories get too lean, you know, going, and you get inflationary pressures? And no, no,
1: no. So they're lean right now. Like, they're no, very, no. very, very lean. Oh, it's you're saying, that oh, I see what over you're Over the saying, next couple saying. years, oh, they, owe, they double book. We're going to glut. And <laughs> yeah, they get a glut. Exactly, Chris.
0: Well, also a lot of capacity is going to on, come online mm-hmm. too, right? Because every, every manufacturing, every industry seems to be planning for additional capacity, you know, chips Correct. and everything, you know, expanding so it's, up. Yeah, and it's not, not going to hit. overshoot. Until, yeah, we overshoot. So this is, Interesting. So this is the uh, oh,
2: cobweb model, right?
0: Yeah, the cobweb model, Yeah, which, which is well known in the agricultural circles, right? Right. Prices, you have a shortage, prices go up for whatever the ag commodity is. Farmers respond to that, plant too much stuff, and because it, it all happens with a the lag, they get surprised and get into this kind of Circular, kind of mess. Um, okay, so you're arguing the opposite of what Chris was just arguing—that you know uh, we're in store for excess inventory down the mm-hmm. road. That that's the risk, years, not too lean of years, inventory. A yeah. Couple no. of years down the road. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay, Chris, what's your your number? Uh, Sixty-six point seven.
1: <laughs> and this is non-employment related. Non-employment that's, Chris's related. Chris's
0: probability that. You know, um, he's going to win the Formula One race. He's about uh, <laughs> two-thirds probability.
1: I, I think he violated the first rule of Fight Club. What's it's, that? Not to pick something that's too obvious. obvious. Yeah. All right. Oh, oh All so right. you
0: you oh you know yeah. how come I don't It's so obvious to you that what that number is? It's
1: related I to the other one. That? Yeah, it's uh, related. Just it's went like over. You have so. manufacturing. What's the sister survey? Yeah.
0: Oh no, he didn't go there, did he? Yeah, he did. He, the he ISM non sur- yes, survey? Yes, he did. Supplier deliveries.
2: Yeah, services.
0: Services PMI. So, the services PMI. Oh, okay. It was, well, that, it was a good okay. number. Yeah, it was a good number. It was a, actually the top line number was a record number. Mm-hmm. Right? It was a great Wasn't number. It? Yeah. Chris, you're yeah. surprised. You didn't know that? It was a, yep. it was a surprise. 66.7. Oh, well, okay, is that the, that's the top-line number, not the supplier deliveries. In the, <laughs> it's a top-line number in the ISM. That's not not on, the top-line like number. 6, so 6. Yeah, the composite 7.
1: index. Yep.
0: Okay, and that was a record yeah. high, all-time high. And that All survey's time. been, how long's uh, the purchasing manager's been doing that one? Early
1: 2000s. Early 2000s. Yeah, my, the ISM manufacturing survey goes way further back, but ISM Not Man was early two thousands, I believe.
0: You know, guys, you know, we were talking like a recession four weeks ago. Now it feels like boom.
1: boom. Boom. Doesn't it?
0: So yeah, all these so guys talking remember pr- recession, the economy is actually booming. <laughs> not going so into recession.
1: I want to make a, a change. My ten percent probability of a decline in GDP in the fourth quarter is now
0: zero. And not happening.
1: It's not happening.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, what's our tracking estimate for GDP? I know it's early, early. It's days. early.
1: The tracking uh, seven, estimate
0: is: we take all the real-time statistics, monthly statistics, and translate that into what it means for GDP growth, the value of all the things we produce in the current quarter. We're now in Q4. And your what is our tracking estimate for Q4? Uh,
1: seven point seven.
0: So, okay, seven. That that's boom. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. back. Yeah. What's the? There's a couple of other folks that do this, and they're really good at it, like the Atlanta Federal Reserve. Have they come out with a number yet?
1: They have. They're closer to. They're above eight and a half, maybe close. Oh, to nine. they're
0: eight. Okay, right. even stronger than we are. Okay, very good. Okay, all very good. Uh, anything else in that? Uh, I, you, I think you uh, uh, do justice in pointing to that ISM non-man survey because that was that was a blowout survey. Anything in the bowels of the survey, Chris, that stood out to you?
2: It was uh, pretty strong Man? across the board. I believe uh, employment survey? employment was a little weak, but. Uh, all the other components were were strong. It's in. It points to the post-Delta environment here, right? Very Orders positive. Are up. Very positive, yep. yep. Okay.
0: All right. Okay. So I guess it's my turn, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Okay, I, I got one for you. And this might, because there's so many numbers, this might be a little unfair, but this is a pretty important number, I think. Uh,
1: the CNN 3. back to
0: normal 3.8 million. 3.8 million. This is, it's is in in the, obviously in the jobs report. Okay. It's in the jobs report. I mean, I'll, I'll go far as to tell you, it's actually in the text the Bureau of Labor Statistics provides. Three point eight million. It goes to
1: you oh, know, wait, is this the number of is people that that, not
0: now? Go,
2: go ahead, go ahead, no, go. People, not go ahead. ahead. Go. people not working go because of the pandemic.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very good. Yeah, that's exactly. It. Um, were you going to get that, Ryan?
2: Of course no, was, I, no, no, for sure.
0: No. <laughs> you weren't going to? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. He's, no. yeah. he's being modest. He... <laughs> yeah, there was, <laughs> according to the BLS, 3.8 million people uh, that are unable to work because their employer closed or lost business during the pandemic, 3.8 million. And the reason I, I bring that up, uh, well, but lots of reasons for that, but one of the in, uh, interesting things is that's almost precisely the number of, <laughs> people were down in the labor force today compared to pre-pandemic. So if you look at the size of the labor force today, look at what it was pre-pandemic, we're down, you know, about 4 million, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, so uh, that would suggest that, you know, as we get to the other side of the, well, it suggests two things to me. Uh, I'm curious, you know, if, it's, if you agree. First, that as we continue to uh, work through the pandemic, hopefully get to the other side of the pandemic. These folks will get back to work, come back into the labor force and everything start to normalize in terms of labor force and labor force participation. But the other thing that suggests to me is it's not going to be quick. It's going to take time because these are people who've lost jobs at employers that have actually closed. So they're gone. You know, they they failed and now you got to go find another job somewhere else. And that, you know, there are plenty of jobs out there, op- openings, but it's going to take some time. Is that a fair kind of read on things? Guys? Yeah, I think it sounds reasonable.
2: Yeah. The only thing that gives me hope is that there are a lot of startups and small business openings, as you mentioned earlier. So yeah, that could certainly accelerate things. If that if that wasn't the case, it would be even longer, right, for people to right. try to find new jobs. Right.
1: Yeah, and I thought in our macro meeting, or our monthly meeting where the whole stack is together, I thought you brought up a very interesting point about the long COVID. So uh, if you look at the number of people that were uh, employed but not at work because of own illness, it's still above a, uh, a million, which is you know, elevated. know elevated. 1.3 million, yeah. 1.3. Yep, 1.378 yeah. to be exact. Mm. But There you go. You know, I, it's been I a, above a million here. since the pandemic began, and I think, I think that's a point that, that this is going to linger for some time.
0: It's going to take some time. Yep. Okay, it, this and this now leads us into kind of the some of the broader labor market issues I want to talk about as our big topic. And that, the the one that's really top of mind here and I think came to the fore with this report today is labor force uh participation. Uh so just to uh, provide context, a uh, pre-pandemic uh labor force participation, this is the percent of the of um uh, uh, this is the uh, ratio of the number of people who are uh, uh, working or looking for work relative to the uh, working-age population. So it's the percent of the working-age population that's out there working or, or looking for work, uh, unemployed and looking for work. That was sixty-three point five percent ish, you know, give or take, you know, pre-pandemic. Um, and, and now, and, and of course, it got crushed in the height of the pandemic back in the early part of 2020, it's made its way back. But as we said earlier, it's sitting at 61.5%-ish, actually 61.6% to be precise in October. (laughs) So we're still down two percentage points from pre-pandemic. And, you know, you do the arithmetic, that's about four, you know, kind of 4 million people-ish, you know, something like that. So the question is, and we've been stuck there. I mean, if, you know, 61.5, 61.6, 61.7, 61.5, you know, really for more than a year now. I think you go back to the summer of 2020, we've been kind of stuck there. So the, uh, increasingly, the question is, is it going to rise? Is it going to go, Or you know, are we going first? Are we going back to pre-pandemic levels? I think the answer is no. We can talk about why. But are, is it going to start normalizing are we going to see any increase here from 61.5 percent and I guess that's an open question to the to either of you you know how are you thinking about future participation I, I should say in our forecast our baseline forecast that where we put pen to paper uh, we have participation going back up to 62.5 percent so we're down two points from where we were pre-pandemic we're going to get one point back, we're not going to get the other point. We're going to get one point back, and, and you know, I'm just wondering how you think, how you're thinking about this, and where you think that's a reasonable outlook, and what's going on here. Uh, I'll start with you, Chris. What you know, what do you have any views on this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I do think there's a cyclical and a structural component here. So on the cyclical side, right, we've been talking about the pandemic itself, right? People sick or taking care of people who are sick, children not able to go to school. So you, you do have a number of parents, in particular, who are not in the labor force, who would come back in once things, you know, clear up here. So I think we will get that component back in hopefully relatively short order. But then I look at the uh, demographic shift that we're seeing in terms of people taking early retirement, and that was accelerated during the pandemic. I don't think we get many of those folks back. We might get some, like this flexible work arrangements, but we shouldn't count on it. So. It sounds like a 50-50 split is what's baked in the forecast. I'm a little, perhaps a little less optimistic. I think um, some folks are are not coming back in. And so if, I would probably put it closer to 62, maybe 62 oh, and really? a quarter. Okay. Uh, but and I think it's a, not, uh, a reasonable assessment.
0: Right. And, and those people not coming back, they, you mentioned the, you mentioned the boomers. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So they were gonna leave anyway, but you're, what we're saying here is that they just left early. That's right. Yeah, they, right. well, they lost their job in the pandemic, hard to get back in. And I guess the other reason they might not come back is they're financially in a much better spot, right? That's Stock
2: right. Market. So I think you have those two groups. Some are yeah, uh, taking early retirement because they did lose their jobs and it's too late to restart, let's say, and then others who, are, who benefited. <laughs> and able to take advantage of higher house prices and stock prices and take early retirement. Right.
0: And then I guess the other factor, which Ryan mentioned was, in this one, we it, it's pretty hard to gauge, but it feels intuitive, is long COVID, that you, you've got people who got sick and it's just taking a long time for them to get healthy. I mean, healthy enough to go to work or healthy enough to go back and work the same hours that they were before or you know they they're maybe working maybe putting in the same hours but they're just not as productive right because you know if you're absolutely. Sick, it's hard to work mm-hmm. yeah so i guess that's hard yeah, to absolutely. gauge it's kind of a wild card here we don't really know how big a deal that is right yeah yeah absolutely i think it's real though
2: certainly i think
0: yeah that, well uh, we
2: yeah. just don't know what the consequences it's
0: i know people are, you know uh, you know loved ones who got this problem so yeah mm-hmm. absolutely um, any other group that would be in that category that just aren't, that have left, aren't coming back? Any, so there's the boomers, there's the long COVID. I guess the other issue might be here, uh, and this is kind of between cyclical and structural. Cyclical means very near term, structural means longer run, is the mandates for vaccination. Hmm. How big a deal do you think that is? I feel it feels like that might be more of a deal uh, than. You know, people are, they're, you know, even if it's 10, 15, 20% of the labor force that says I'm not getting a vaccination, no matter what you say, uh, or even if I lose my job, uh, that might be an issue.
1: Yeah, so I use the census pulse data and they have, uh, they question people that are employed and by vaccination status. And there's the two cohorts I focused on was those that said they're absolutely not going to get vaccinated no matter what. And those that are, you know, most likely not going to. So these, you know, looking at the universe of people that uh, these uh, mandates could affect, you know, the impact on employment, it's 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 pretty significant. It's two to six million people. Two to six million people. Is that, it that many? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I guess we're going to figure this one out pretty quickly uh, here because yeah. over the next few just- months. Right, because I saw, I think it was yesterday, the executive order January 4th, that large Correct. employers are all, I think it's employers with over 100 employees, Did I, is that right? Yes. I, yeah, need to have all their folks vaccinated, all their employees vaccinated. Or at least, they're not vaccinated, they have to take a test, I believe, once a week uh, to show that they're COVID free.
1: So that testing should eat, like reduce the impact on employment a little bit? And it doesn't mean like that two to six million estimate. I mean, it's a huge range, but th- that doesn't mean like that's the amount of jobs we're going to lose. I mean, these are people that you know may quit, you know, working for an employer that has over a hundred employees and work for a smaller company, or uh, you know, start their own company. Uh, so I don't think you know it's going to be hard to tease out the effect. But in the end, shouldn't it be a net positive? You know, feel, you know we talked about all the people that are, you know don't feel comfortable going back to work right. because of COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know all your coworkers are vaccinated, you're more likely going to re-enter.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. It may be a near-term hit to labor force, but Mm -hmm. ultimately it's a positive because it makes everyone feel confident that they're safe when they go to work.
1: Right. And I know you and Chris are, you guys kind of get stuck in your ways. I don't even pay attention to the labor force participation rate, the total one. All I focus on is the really? prime age prime, employment. Sure. Prime age employment. And that went up from 78% in September to 78.3% in October.
0: Oh, that's an interesting point. So if we
1: keep this trend going, we'll be at 80%, which we've talked about on the podcast before, is our, our threshold for full employment by the end of next year.
0: This is the employment to population ratio. Correct. Yeah, not labor force participation.
1: Right. I don't even pay attention to that.
0: Okay, no. so you're you're looking at the employment the, the number of employed people, 25 to 54, divided by the popu- that, the population of those, of, those, of those prime age workers. Correct. And it, you're saying that historically, if you look at past business cycles, if it gets over 80%, that's consistent with a full employment economy. Correct. What was it in October?
1: 78.3. And, and that's up
0: from 78 in September? Correct. Oh, and, and, and during I the guess t- at the low, as I recall, at the low, it was like 70 or
1: something. Correct. So we've- 69.6.
0: 69.6. So we've, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So by that measure, we're, you said we're at 78.8. So we're- 78.3. 78.3. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, right. 78.3. So we're 1.7 percentage points away from full employment. Mm-hmm. That doesn't give us a lot of room, actually, does it? I mean- about a year. I think that's the case. I mean, a how many year, people year does that, half. can you multiply 0.017 times the number of people, 25 to 50, 50, 25 to 54?
1: I, I can do that. But I can't do it on the fly right now.
0: <laughs> um, oh, can't? Okay, I was hoping you could. Because, yeah, that's interesting. That is mm-hmm. very interesting. A really interesting point. I was going to say something. Oh, about the testing. Just um, an anecdote. Uh, so uh, I, I had to go to a business function and uh, to be able to participate, I had to take a, a COVID test, and so they sent me a COVID test. And first thing I'll say, it like it's really easy. I I don't know. I I hope they're accurate. I think they're accurate, but you know, it's like no big deal. You take a swab, you you know, circled up. Everyone's probably had a test now. You, you but you do it yourself. You put it up your nose, and you put it in, into a vial with a little bit of solution, and it's like a pregnancy test. If a you know you get. <laughs> a blue line you're good uh you're not pregnant if you get a red line you're pregnant so mm-hmm. uh you know very very easy that's the first thing i'd say but here's the really funny thing so uh i open up the ins- i open up the package get the instructions out and i'm reading the instructions and i go I- I- I get to the end of the instructions. I go. I don't know how to do this. Like they didn't. They missed. A, they missed the step of taking the swab out of a pack and putting it up your nose. They that was not in the instructions. I am not kidding. It was. It was professionally done. One, two, three, four, five. Is here's what you do. And I go. Well, when when do I put the swab up my nose? You know what do I do? <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm not. I I I wasn't the only one because then I get an email from the. The group that I was speaking at or participating at, and they said, oh, oh, by the way, they were missing a step. Here's the step. So I I just, I thought that was really, you know, almost funny, you know. Uh, But anyway, bottom line is they're easy. These tests are easy to take. Mm -hmm.
1: And they're accurate. So our, my son's school will accept a home negative COVID test uh, and he can return. Like he doesn't have to quarantine or anything like that. And yeah, Chop so maybe this concern thing.
0: about taking vaccinations may, may not, and the labor impact on the labor force may not be that big a deal. I mean, why would, uh, who knows, but why would people eject taking the test? I, I'd do that. Right. I, mean, I guess it depends on who pays for the test, I suppose. Yeah, maybe, the, uh, hopefully yeah. the government's paying for that. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, there's,
1: okay. the next few months is going to be, you have the vaccine mandates, but you also have five to 11-year-olds are now able to get vaccinated. So maybe right. that takes some of the strain off parents. You know, they're, more comfortable sending their kids to daycare to uh, school and everything. So yeah, good point. Hmm.
0: So, okay. So here, so Chris says, so in our, our forecast, the Moody's analytics, uh, most likely scenario, we have the participation rate going from 60. This is the overall participation rate. I know caveat Ryan doesn't pay attention to this, but you know, <laughs> uh, that caveat. 60, everyone else does 61.5. We're going to 62.5. That's the new normal. We're not going back to 63.5. Chris says, well, well, maybe 62. And Ryan says, I don't even have a forecast for that because I don't care about <laughs> don't, it. Don't I'm, pay I'm, attention uh, to it. I'm employment <laughs> to population.
1: Okay. Doesn't matter.
0: Are we going back to 80% employment to pop on uh, primary age? age?
2: Yep. He says, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it's all cyclical,
0: right? That's, this is we're mostly cyclical, yeah. <clears throat> Of course, I mean, we had the, the, same debate. the real problem might be in the non-prime age workers where we see the real problems in terms of getting people back to work,
1: right? Could be. But we yeah. had the same debate after the Great Recession, you know, the male labor force participation wasn't coming back. And, you know, some people speculated, uh, you know, they're living in their parents' base- basement playing video games. Like, that wasn't true. It came back. It's going to come back.
2: So once uh, crypto crashes, they'll yeah. have to come back in, I guess.
0: Oh, well, that's,
1: that's the trigger.
2: That's,
0: that's a good point. Well, that's the other point I've I, you know, <laughs> i been making about excess saving. You know, another reason to expect participation rates to pick up here in a more meaningful way relatively soon is that I do think there's evidence that uh, uh, we there's a lot of excess savings out of people that were, have been able to save above which they would typically do if there was no pandemic. And, you know, for uh, uh, high income, high net worth households, that's mostly the result of those households sheltering in place and not spending, uh, and they've been saving. And for lower-middle-income households, that's probably mostly uh, government support, uh, stimulus checks. We had three rounds of stimulus checks, unemployment insurance, uh, rental assistance, uh, food assistance. And it, uh, it could be the case that that's just slowing when workers go back to work because they have a financial cushion. They, they have that cash they can use to pay their bills. But here's the point that if you do the arithmetic and take a look at spending patterns, uh, certainly pre-pandemic, uh, many of those low- uh, middle-income households are going to blow through that excess saving here pretty quickly over the next mm-hmm. month, two or three, and that would argue that there's going to be more financial pressure on, the, on those uh, workers to get, actually get back to work. So that would be a reason to think we're going to start to see the participation rate, EPOP, you know, rise even more here uh, over the next three, four, five, six months. Again, that's embedded in our kind of forecast, but mm-hmm. you know, very much a forecast. Um, also, I, I just put in a plug for the uh, legislation that's being debated in Washington today. The uh, you know, the there's two pieces of legislation: one around public infrastructure, the other around social programs. And I, I do think that uh, this the some of the policies in that social program legislation. Or particularly around uh, helping with child care and housing uh, and elder care uh, will be important for lifting long uh, labor force participation longer run it doesn't really help here certainly doesn't help in the next year or two but longer run that could be very helpful in getting people back to work particularly lower income less educated workers that potential workers that you know just can't afford the child care and the elder care and you know need the help uh, the housing they need housing that's closer to their jobs that kind of thing so just to I think that's going to become increasingly important. That we where do was that. the plug? Where well, was the plug for the? Le- I say that's a reason for the legislation. Yeah, vote for that uh, legislation. please. I didn't know if you, know, you know, were like there's a good cr- reason for it. You know, yeah, like going back a to the legislation.
1: I didn't know if you testified or had a TV commercial. I'm just curious. I'm preparing. Yeah, I'm preparing. Oh, okay, you're preparing. Yeah,
0: actually, I wrote a nice Bernard Jaros, You know, one of our other colleague who's been on the podcast before. We wrote a update to our analysis of the macro consequences. That's up on EV Economic Views. So. People might find that interesting. That can go take a look. Um, so, yeah,
2: what odds do you place? What odds do you place on the legislation now <clears throat> actually passing? And what what size?
0: I, I, well, the on the table is uh, one point seven five trillion over ten years. Uh, that's the social program tax credits, right. and then five hundred fifty billion in additional funding on public infrastructure. That's the that's the other piece of legislation. I. Well, the public infrastructure—that's going to get passed. That could get yeah. passed today, right? Absolutely, because I mean, the House is going to vote on it. Senate's already <laughs> voted on it. President's going to sign it. I'd put a, you know, sixty-sixty-five percent probability that the one point seven five trillion dollar package gets through. I mean, I think it depends on what lesson Democrats took from the uh, election results, and I think the lesson they took—and this was President Biden made it made this was his point after he talked about this after the election results. Was it that they need to show results they got to get something done, uh, and this if they don't do anything here, I think uh, you know people are going to think, well, you know why did we elect you you know back in 2020 so we're not going to reelect you in twenty twenty two so that'd be my yeah. sense of it, although i can I've heard counter arguments you know to the other side do you have, do you have a view on that, Chris? Do you have a probability
2: I think it gets skinny down even, right, even so. further, even further right because uh, what was the it. Well, because it's the, the, the um, the tax assessment, no, the tax, uh, I can't remember the, the acronym now the tax committee, uh, assessed it at 1.5. On yeah. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Yep. I think it was assessed at 1.5 trillion, right. For the tax revenue, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Geez. So it'd still be deficit positive yeah. if, if it, pa- it passes
0: on a static basis.
2: Correct. Well, yeah. that's, yeah. that's what matters. All right. So
1: I guess. So Chris, do you support it? Would you vote for this? What
2: I think 4. if it 7, was skinny 5? down, I think then, 4. I think, it, I think it has to be skinny down. Is my point. I don't think Manchin From is going go to go for it. From
0: to to five. that's the, that makes the difference to you?
2: I think so. Well, I think it's all the optics of a uh, deficit spending, right?
0: But it's dynamically going to be paid for. Mm. And I mean,
2: Again, know, it's the, the end end spin. Day. It's the spin, right?
0: Really? Okay. But I hate this. We'll mind. see. Hey, there's one other big topic I want to talk about with regard to the labor market. To, to dig in deeper here, the first was obvious participation. The other is around wage growth and inflation. Uh, you know, this obviously comes to the fore. today. In today's number, the average hourly earnings, as we discussed earlier, was up 4.9% year over year. That's pretty strong. And then you guys mentioned the employment cost index, ECI, which is another measure of wages compensation that's better than the average hourly earnings because it controls for the mix of jobs, the occupations and industries, which can really mess with you know uh, the numbers. But that's also, Ryan, can you fill us in on the ECI numbers? I, you, you, watched, you followed them pretty carefully. They were up a lot.
1: Yeah, they're very strong. And yeah. it, even if you adjust for incentive pay, uh, which is less mm-hmm. sticky, uh, the ECI uh, private wage growth mm-hmm. is very, very strong. Well above what we saw pre-pandemic. Uh, You know, one thing we do is, you know, there's all these different wage measures. You have the Atlanta Fed, you have uh, the ECI unit labor costs, which came out on Thursday, which were up 8%, more than 8% annualized. A lot of different messages. So we kind of take them all together and create a wage tracker. So like our Moody's Analytics wage tracker. Uh, And year over year, that's around three and a half percent, which is stronger than what we saw pre-pandemic. So wage growth is definitely uh, picking up.
0: Yeah, and a lot of it I noticed is that, you know, among low-wage workers, which is entirely which is intuitive. Good. Yeah. The Atlanta Fed, do you've, that's part of your tracker too, I think. The Atlanta Fed creates a, a wage tracker based on following the same workers over time, so it controls Correct. for these mixed issues. And they can cut that data by lots of demographics, including the wage of the worker, and uh, if you look the wage growth for folks in the bottom, I think quintile of the wage distribution that's where a lot of the wage growth is really occurring yeah, which makes sense
1: because I mean that's where we're having these the most labor supply issues it's in leisure and hospitality, it's in retail
0: right so I guess there's a, this leads to a bunch of questions, and one is, is this acceleration in wage growth temporary, transitory, as the Fed would say or are we here to stay? Can, guys, do have any view on that one? I mean, what do you think? Are, are we, we going to be here at 5% or higher going forward?
1: For wage growth or inflation? Yeah. yeah. Which one? Wage growth. Oh, wage w- growth? Yeah.
0: Well, as, uh, what's, what's the other one? The ECI? Or- or inf-
1: oh, I, I thought you're asking, like, are we at 5% nominal wage growth for the foreseeable future or 5% inflation? Well, I'll get
0: to the inflation. I'm 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 yeah. kind of stuck on the wage growth because then we'll, we'll kind of tie that back into inflation. Which yeah, you're right, you're right. That's also five percent, <laughs> <certainly. laughs> which by the way may not be an accident. You know, uh, workers are getting pay increases that are consistent with the uh, with the acceleration in inflation to some degree. But um, you know, my sense is the, well, the wage growth. This is temporary, just like everything else we've been talking about. It's pandemic related, right? I mean, the labor market's been all—supply chains were all jumbled because of the pandemic. Labor markets all jumbled because of the pandemic. All these severe—as you say, there's secular and cyclical elements to it, but there's definitely a cyclical element to this, uh, you know, uh, related to the pandemic. And so, you know, uh, wages are getting jacked up because of the the labor shortages that we're experiencing now due to the pandemic— as the pandemic winds down, as Delta winds down, as people get back to work, as the participation rate starts to rise, then that takes some pressure off and we see wage growth moderate. Uh, you know, not 5%, year from now, there's, you know, 35 to 4%, something like that. And again, it depends on which wage yeah. measure you're using. But if we're using average hourly earnings, that that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Did, any disagreement on that perspective? No? Yeah. no, I think I
2: think that's yeah. right. You have people coming back. The other factor is productivity, which actually came out this week one as well. One quarter Chris. It's one quarter. Not a good number. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not clicking in my boots yet. But uh, well, this you know, now was, connects the dots between down.
0: wage growth and inflation. Right. Exactly. The, exactly. The wall between strong wage growth and higher rates of inflation. You know, the, the thinking is, oh, wage growth is going up. Uh, businesses are going to have problems with that because their profitability is going to weaken. their margins are going to narrow. therefore, they're going to raise prices more aggressively for the stuff they produce, and you yep. get into this kind of wage price spiral but the 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 break is it the break wall is that what they call the firewall break wall? the what's it called the firewall the firewall, the firewall, huh? the firewall, yeah, the firewall, I like break wall, too, but the firewall is uh is productivity good- growth. so if productivity growth accelerates you know, that allows businesses to produce the same amount of stuff with fewer labor hours. So the higher wages per hour doesn't cause their margins to decline and that doesn't put pressure on them to raise prices more aggressively. And the question is, is as product, what's going on with productivity growth? And we got a data point this week on that too, right? And you're saying that was bad.
1: There was they a largest, largest decline since the early 1980s.
0: Right, and that was for Q3 when- Right, supply chain okay. issue. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, one of course, that's yeah. Growth got creamed by the pandemic, by the Delta wave. Correct. So, but and I, too bad we don't have Dante on right now. Oh, by the way, uh, Dante usually comes on unemployment Employment Friday, but he, he had something come up. He couldn't uh, participate. Uh, unfortunately for him, though, because the <laughs> ADP number, which is what he works on, he nailed it, didn't he, this month? ADP said. What five hundred and seventy thousand private sector workers, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what we got. I think
2: six hundred, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: right. So poor da- Dante comes on every yeah. time the ADP but misses.
1: He he deserves a lot of, but I will remind him I was I was closer. You were. <laughs> you well,
0: that's because you have the luxury of using know, the ADP yeah. number in your correct.
1: Actually, the ADP number made me sweat this month. I was like, wow, we're like really close to one another. And that's usually not a good thing.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm just kidding. uh, No, but Dante, it was good. good. That's That's rude. That's a rude rude (laughs) comment. No,
1: I think ADP is going to be, it's gotten a bad rap over the last several months. But if you look at the errors, they're usually large when you have like this, different waves of COVID. And maybe how BLS versus ADP measure employment. But I think it's going to be more accurate going forward as long as we don't get these, another wave of COVID.
0: I should say for the listener, ADP is the uh, human resource company. They process a lot of payrolls and we put together an estimate of the BLS jobs numbers on the Wednesday before this Friday, based on the ADP number. And Dante, we've been doing this for a long time. Dante's uh, leading a charge on that right now and, and takes great pride in that, and, as he should. Uh, and he, he nailed should. it this month, but unfortunately mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't on. And Dante, but I brought up Dante because- um, He's a productivity growth skeptic, isn't he, Chris? You guys- He is. Yeah. What's his <laughs> argument? What is he saying? What's he saying about productivity growth and what's the logic behind it? Uh, we have a very
2: strong demographic head, uh, headwinds, right? Aging of the population. And also just if you look at previous recessions, the pattern is large productivity gains during the early stage of the recovery and then those fall by the wayside as- you know, things normalize and firms start to higher up again. So, you know, based on that track record, you shouldn't get overly excited by the um, productivity gains we've seen so far. And uh, I guess the data point that came out this week uh, would support that argument. I think it's temporary, just a blip, but, you know, something to consider.
0: And you're the evangelist, as I understand it. I, the I am the evangel- evangel- <laughs> He's the skeptic, <laughs> and you're the productivity <laughs> evangelist. So what's your argument?
2: My argument is that, these, uh, that the technological changes and other uh, changes in organization that we've adopted during the pandemic are actually uh, going to be more long-lived, that they're more structural in nature. We've been putting off a lot of these changes for a while, but now you know, we all adopted this uh, video conferencing, cloud computing, machine learning, AI, robotics, everything is, is coming online, and I see those as having a much longer tail. Uh, going forward. So I don't think it productivity screams, you know, uh, from here, it doesn't go to up to 5% or anything like that. But, you know, we were at 1% productivity growth prior to the recession, if we uh, or prior to the pandemic, if we're closer to one at one7 I think that's a, that's a huge gain. That, so that,
0: that sounds pretty precise to me, doesn't it, Chris?
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, Ryan. I mean, that's times, unusual
1: for, for Chris. He usually yeah, takes.
2: Well, one point says the... we're at right now, so that's no, where
1: I was stuck oh, in,
3: okay. But yeah, if we're closer,
1: if we're closer to two percent,
2: if we're closer to two percent, that's a that's a significant increase. So,
0: so, so Ryan, are you, you? A, more a skeptic or a productivity growth of a skeptic, uh, or just, more of, a, of an evangelist, or neither? You're kind of a agnostic. I was just about to ask you the same thing. I'm, I'm an optimist. Oh, I'll tell you. I'm an, I, I'm an optimist. Of course, I'll tell you what my view is, but I wanted to hear your view first.
1: So I'm, I'm optimistic it, about I'm a, productivity growth.
0: You're, you're optimistic.
1: Mm-hmm. And, Particularly over the next five years, we should see productivity growth, trend productivity growth. You know, Ignoring these quarter-to-quarter fluctuations, trend yeah. productivity growth is going to be well ahead of what we saw pre-pandemic.
0: So we were, as Chris said, 1% trend productivity growth prior mm-hmm. to the pandemic. What are we going to be? Two. to post Two. And that's kind of sort of where, well, I think it's exactly where we were between World War II and the financial Correct. crisis. Yep. And I
1: agree on with already. everything Chris said, but also businesses are investing a ton in intellectual property, yeah. in uh, software, in equipment. That's, that leads productivity growth. So you know, these little wiggles now, don't, don't, don't stress about it. It's going to pick up over the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, I, I totally. I'm a, I'm a flaming evangelist. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think productivity growth is going to be very strong, and for the reasons that you guys gave, I'm less. You know, I, I hold out less on technological changes because I just don't know. I mean, it's hard to gauge that. You know, mm-hmm. AI. You know, I was on a panel. With, I think I said this once before um, with Mark Cuban, and he's saying we're going to see. Very strong productivity growth, meaning so strong it's going to be dystopic for the labor market. We're going to have so many unemployed people because AI machine learning is going to wipe out all these jobs. You know, okay, maybe I guess that's a forecast, that's a scenario, but I, I, you know, I don't put a lot of weight on. I just say, okay, the rate of technological change is going to remain, it, it, you know, what it is, what it has been. And it's not only about. Rate of technological change, is about the rate of incorporating that technology into business practices, which is probably the more difficult thing, and what really makes it more difficult, you know, for this that dystopic view to ever come to pass. Uh, I I I'm more uh, in line with Ryan's perspective yeah. on investment, uh, both IP, which is a lot of that software, and also equipment, uh, information R equipment, and there's very strong relationship between what investment happens today and what happens with productivity growth three, four, five years down. We have a great chart. By the way, maybe you can uh, update that chart, Ryan. Or maybe I'll yeah. do it. Yeah, that relates information, processing equipment a few years ago to productivity growth today. And it's been, you know, over history, it's been very, very, very strong relationship. Here's the other thing I don't think people recognize. a Trend underlying productivity growth, you know, extracting from the vagaries of the data, quarterly data, was actually accelerating well before the pandemic. Right? It, it wasn't just a pandemic thing. If you go back and look, you know, we were at 1% ish below, we were like a half a point half a in point. productivity growth yeah. back in mid, mid last decade 2015, 2014, 2015, 2016. We were like over one before the pandemic hit. Um, so we were already trending a lot higher. And the other thing I'd say is, and this goes to a study that, uh, I did with uh, Adam Ozimek, who's now over at Indeed, their chief economist. And who's Dante in that? Dante was part of that too, wasn't he? That study, you guys remember? Yeah, no, Dante helped out. Yeah, Dante, and this is maybe coloring his view. Demographics, (laughs) the aging of the population, the, the large number of boomers in the workforce. But, and that's still a drag on productivity growth. I mean, older workers tend to- Keep productivity down because they don't incorporate new technologies into their into their own work. They're very resistant to do that because, well, they're not going to be in labor force that much longer, and they just don't want to change what they're doing. It's, you know, painful to do that. Except for me, guys, I I, I embrace uh, technologies uh, when, when someone tells me I have to adopt them. Right. I'm on Twitter, Twitter, by the way. There we go. I knew it. Oh, are, I, time. Knew, it. I knew it. I knew time. it. I knew it. Anyway. Perfect Never time was. to plug my Twitter handle <laughs> at Mark Sandy. Uh, <laughs> follow me. Uh, I'm, I'm tweeting good stuff. Uh, there. T- see, I'm, I'm. I've adopted new technology. Did you hear? Are you me? gonna enter the
2: uh, metaverse? Uh? Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, that that one really s- creeps me out a little bit, because <laughs> I, I I know the. Uh, Matrix movies all too well. That feels very Matrix. Getting close. It's getting close. It really feels that way. Uh, I I don't know. It makes me a little little, yeah. That that squirrel
1: scene in the Matrix creeped me out.
0: The squirrel scene?
1: I don't remember that. Remember we were talking about your favorite movie was Groundhog Day, and you. Describe oh, the groundhog yes. a squirrel. Right. <laughs> 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 got to keep up, Mark. Got to keep yes, up. To, sorry, about this that. was an actual squirrel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, no one. Well, m- maybe careful listeners will know what the hell you're talking about. No, I know. I know. You have to go back to the podcast. I, I go deep. Yeah,
1: my sarcasm. There is a
0: podcast labeled, and it it, it was a it was a, a groundhog, not a squirrel, uh, or right. something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can go find it. Anyway, where was I? Oh, You're so I'm plugging. with you on the on the productivity uh, growth, uh, but that's key, right? Because we even with if wage growth comes starts to come back in from five percent, I don't think it's coming way back in because labor markets are going to be perennially tight here. You know, we talked about labor force participation, but we didn't even really talk about growth in working age population, which is going to be weaker too, right? Because of less foreign immigration and What's going on with birth rates and death rates? I mean, there's a lot to be you know, anxious there about. So uh, we, we, uh, you know, wage growth is going to continue to be quite strong here. Uh, and we need that stronger productivity growth. Otherwise, we have an inflation problem. Uh, and you know, that's a different kind yep. of environment you know, down the road compared to what we think is the world going to look like and what others, you know, certainly what the Federal Reserve thinks the world's going to look like. Mm-hmm. So very, very important. Uh, anything else on the wage, productivity, inflation uh angle that you want to bring up? i
1: I think we covered it, but no, okay. I think everything's playing out so far to our script,
0: yeah, and maybe pretty close. inflation yeah. yeah
1: so that's why okay. I'm you know some nights I get a little worried about inflation, but yeah you know, I think with productivity growth, we're okay.
0: and I'd say it's sticking closer to my script than your script. That's what I'm just saying, you know we's got to go back and look at all these bets we made. Yeah. So
2: speaking of the tenure, <laughs>
0: oh, speaking of the tenure, let's end on this one. What the heck? Uh, so the Fed says we're going to begin ending quantitative easing, winding down QE bond mm-hmm. buying, uh, to the tune of uh, about fifteen billion per month. So we're at one hundred twenty billion a month. We're going to take that down by fifteen billion per month, and if everything kind of hangs together, we'll be done bond buying by June of next year. And long-term rates did seem to go up. I mean, uh, the ten-year Treasury yield mm-hmm. went from one five to one six, maybe one point six. Not a lot, but and that'd be consistent because everyone knew the Fed was going to do this. wasn't a big surprise. But today's number, last I looked, maybe it's changed. It could, you know, the, I've noticed that Here, it's check. moving around a lot. Uh, it's we're back down below one5 five. Uh, one forty six.
2: We're at one forty six
0: right now. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not, I don't expect you to know the answer, to, or there is an answer. Who, who the heck knows? But you know, any <laughs> – any Ryan, because this is your your statistic that you always mm-hmm. go back to. Anything there that you can point to? What's going on? Why why would I, that it, happen today when the job numbers are so good, so strong?
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There could be some technical issues going on. Okay. I mean, the Treasury announced that they're going to cut their coupon issuance in this in the fourth quarter. So there's there's a lot of moving parts. Bank of England yesterday surprised everybody by uh-huh. not raising interest. There could be some like knock on effects of that that. You know, may, maybe markets are getting ahead of themselves with the hawkish expectations for central banks to tighten. You know, Powell—he's been cool as a cucumber, saying, "You know, I don't worry about inflation. Like, get the job market back to full employment, then we'll raise rates." So, yeah, I think there's a lot going on. You may be more comfortable with your inflation forecast, but Chris and I yeah. are still looking good Hang on our tenure. <laughs> yep. <sighs> I know, I know, I hear you.
0: And clients are asking about it.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Anyway. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, it, before we wrap up,
1: fine? yep. Go ahead. I, have, I promised Dante I would. I would ask you this. Oh, hmm. okay. What goes on at the Zandy household on Thanksgiving?
0: What are these oh, Zandy have, we, games? We play the game. We play games. Yeah.
1: Is it like okay. Hunger Games? Like what squid goes game. on? Well, <laughs> squid game. No, <laughs> not the Squid game. Because uh, apparently I, everybody I knows just about this. Sort of like the
0: Hunger Games. Yeah. Well, what we wow. do? We, okay. we play. Oh. Uh, wall have you heard of volleyball wall, volleyball is uh volleyball in a uh kind of a racquetball court and and this is a great game for uh getting everyone involved women men guys like me who are in their sixties and young guys that you know we've got guys andy guys that are playing professional soccer and we're you know how do you how do you play <laughs> and we've been playing games we've been playing you know, physical games for 30 years, maybe 35 years. I don't know. every Thanksgiving, uh, the Friday after we all morning long, we were playing some physical game. We would play kickball, we played foot, tag football, we many years played soccer, and, and we had to figure out what we were going to do, you know, with all the this distribution, like, you know, the, how am I going to hang with this with the professional soccer player? Volleyball does that.
1: It's a, it's a great game.
0: Fantastic game. We have major he, he was injuries? curious
1: Yeah, we, he was curious because apparently it's famous. It's famous. Know. It's he classic. He an email and he forwards it to me. He was like, "You know, all these right? people know about the Zandy games. Like, what are they talking about?" I'm like, we'll, "We'll bring it up on the podcast."
0: Right. I'm not sure you want to be invited because you know I'm mm-hmm. sore for three this weeks afterwards. So. so yeah, a lot of leave. You know, get the. <laughs> <laughs> we missed that last year, obviously, with the pandemic. So we're very, very excited about. You know, getting back to those games today, uh, this this Thanksgiving. So,
2: so, Thanks so for how asking. do you draw the how do you draw the teams? Is it is this uh, team Mark versus team Carl? Uh,
0: well, you know, like you know, you would in high school or elementary school. You know, you take the two best players, one on this side, one on the <laughs> other side, and they pick. And you know, we're, we try to we we care about the quality of the game. So if it ends up where we think it's the the teams, and this is a collective decision after a lot of screaming and yelling. <laughs> 15 <laughs> minutes worth we might divvy up a few players to make it even because we want it to be you know to the death even and you know it always works out generally works so out
1: so it is the squid games
0: pretty close I guess it's got
1: some yeah. <laughs> it's got some flavor it can
0: get pretty messy out there a lot <laughs> of injuries <laughs> so I said yeah you how'd injured. you do last year pardon me how did, did you do last year, year? Uh, did you didn't win we have Thanksgiving because oh. of the pandemic right I mean uh, oh right oh, we no didn't wally, get to no get volleyball yeah no Wally no Ball. That's right. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're back at it this year. Anyway, we've lost all our right. listeners uh, yeah. at this point. But anyway. I think
2: we've gained them. I think. Uh,
0: oh, may, oh, you think so? Okay. All right. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I, I do want to say thank you uh, for uh, listening in. And uh, please uh, give us a rating on Apple. Uh, go to uh, go to economy.com. That's one of our websites. And on there, you can uh, vote for uh, future Um, topics to us to address we got a lot of really good guests and topics coming up climate change uh, and we got uh, some really good people on climate change coming and um, you know a lot going on so uh, please let us know what you want us to hear about so with that let's call it a podcast thank you everyone